Welcome to Allison's Wonderland. I'm your host, Allison Packard. Join us as we journey through the looking glass and down the rabbit hole into the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Hey, do a girl a favor and please subscribe to this podcast and go on iTunes and leave us a good review. If you like the show, please help spread the word. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. Anjali Bamani, welcome to <laughs> Allison's Wonderland. Thank you. It's Hi. it does feel like a little magical mystery room. I really like it in here. Oh, thank the you. Lighting and this beautiful sign. It's very warm and cozy. Welcome. We are glad to have you here. Thank Thanks for making time. You have been so busy lately. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's of my own creation, meaning <laughs> yes. that yes, yeah, sometimes it's because I'm working all the time, but sometimes it's because I've just, you know, taken on a lot. Like taken on a lot and and I don't sit still well. So I like mm-hmm. to fill up my schedule pretty tight. And then, you know, you get to a point like the end of the year where you're ready to recuperate and you're yeah. ready to renew. And so it's it's turning out to be kind of the perfect pace for me. Yeah. Um because there have been just a few times this year where I've been like, okay, I need I need a minute. I just need a minute. Just give me like a day and then I'll catch up. So, but yeah, it's been, it's been a, it's been a great ride this year. That's you, for sure. You just released your book. I, I did. Size. I did just really, I did just release my book and it has been, that's been a hell of a journey. Wow. I'm, I'm, I am so pleasantly surprised by the reception, which it, it, that it, it just, I mean, I'm stuttering as you can tell, like it's, it blows my mind. Some of the things that have happened with yeah. the book. And, Tell um, us, um, New York Times. Not New York Times. Not New York Times. New York Times is the big kahuna. Uh, it was Wall Street Journal Wall bestseller, Street Journal. USA Today, Barnes and Noble, and Amazon in like nine categories. I know it was nuts. It was very, very nuts. Which nine categories, by the way? I was curious about that. Like one was biographies, artists, and entertainers. Uh-huh. One was self confidence. One was self help. Uh, a lot of uh, creative stuff. I don't know. I'd have to look it up on my wow, phone. Wow, that's so remember. fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Really, really fun. And you know. Uh, I never really thought that I would write a book because I never really thought I had anything specific to say. Uh-huh. But when I started the I Am Fun Size series, and that w- had such a specific mission to achieve with people, which is just basically to say, look, I, I can't give you advice. I can give you my opinions. But what I can do is I can share my stories. And if my stories help you in any way, if they entertain you, if they make you think a little bit more, if they help you through a tough time, then great. And then I started to do that with, obviously, with guests and whatnot, much like you're doing here. And there were little bite-sized, fun-sized, you know, things. But uh, there came a point in the series where I realized I think I wanted, I needed to expand more uh-huh. on a lot of the issues that I had talked about during the series. Mm-hmm. And so in a in a fit of uh, a creative uh, crazy pantsness, um, <laughs> it's a technical term, technical term, crazy pantsness. I, I wrote the first draft, I think, in three weeks last year. And then yeah. uh, started a publishing company because I didn't like the situation with the publishing world. I definitely want to get back to that, yeah, too. Yeah, which is, which is really just me being stubborn. And also wanting my friends not to go through. If people, other people that I know and trust and want to make sure their mm-hmm. work gets out in the world, it's, I don't want them to f- deal with the pitfalls that I might have had to deal with. Yeah. But the book is very much the same as the series, only we have the benefit of I can expand on it. And I think there's just something really special about holding a book, mm, like the feeling yeah. of a book. Um, yeah, the I illustrations know. are just freaking adorable. So cute. Um, Vivian Truong did such an amazing job with it. And, and I think it really enhances the stories because there's just, there's a lightheartedness to it that I hope people feel 
because even when I'm talking about dark times, yeah, I, I want people to know they're not alone. Like that's the goal of the book. You're not alone. And I think, you know, in the introduction, in the foreword, actually, mm-hmm. your friend talks about how it's like sitting down with you and feeling like a warm hug, <laughs> which is, and then especially coming from her, from Marisha, mm-hmm. that's really special to me because that's what I want it to feel like. That's yeah. the tone I specifically wrote it in. It's not like I wrote an essay or even wrote an autobiography. It's not about that. It's like I sat down with my niece or my nephew and mm-hmm. said, let me tell you about the time this happened. Or, oh, that's that's that sounds a lot like when I went through this. I don't know if this helps. Or this is what happened when I did that. Please save yourself. Don't do that. <laughs> and so I, I, I am proud of it. I'm really proud of it. Even yeah. without the bestseller stuff, which is again, it's, it's gravy. It's amazing. But it's, it's. Uh, I, I'm proud of the response. I feel good recommending it to people. I don't feel like it's because it's mine. I feel like it's because it's something I believe in. And the audiobook was obviously super fun to do because we're voice actors. So <laughs> I, I, getting to do the Kickstarter the year before uh-huh. and funding as much as we did and getting to do the audiobook because of that at, rather than you know paying it all out of my own pocket was really lovely. I can imagine. Yeah. And so it's been five years since you started I Am Fun Size. Yes. Did you ever suspect when you started the show that you would be writing a book? No. Certainly not about me yeah. or my stories or based on that. I, I've always loved writing. I've just done it for myself. Whenever it's been something yeah. where like, you should write a screenplay, I've been like, I should stick a fork in my eye. Um, <laughs> it's stuff that I didn't really, I didn't want to be responsible for creating something for someone else mm-hmm. until I felt like I had something specific that I was offering. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd sit down and write some fiction for myself, whatever, and I really enjoyed it. Or mm-hmm. I'd write small articles and, and things. But it really wasn't until last year that I, just a series of events just kept happening that said, yeah, now's the time, now's the time. And here is the most likely to, to I, I have several ideas. I have like five yeah. books in my head right now. And this <laughs> one felt like it was the one that was A, easiest to accomplish, uh-huh. but B, felt like it was the most universal uh-huh. that I could put out there. Because my, my other books that I have in my head are, and like planned, plotted out, are much more specific to a certain demographic or a certain niche. Also certain, nonfiction or? Nonfiction. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't yet, uh, there's only one fiction <laughs> book that I have thought about writing and it usually like when I, I I go back to it like once every two years and I'll write just a little section here and a little section there because I just got inspired and I thought oh yeah yeah that would fit in there so it's not really something that I expect to finish Uh it's just something that's been a fun little thing to play with over the years now I'm because when you started I am fun size clearly your 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 mission was right there in your opening video about how you wanted to connect with people how you wanted to help with people I feel like a lot of us artists really relate to that and are drawn to that but how did you get from there from this you know this one impetus of an idea to this fully fleshed out book that's now affecting so many people's lives. How did I get what there? What was the journey like? Mm, stubbornness. <laughs> I, I got there because I wanted a project that not only served the served the greater whole. I knew I wanted to do something for the greater whole, but I also wanted something, to be completely frank, that I had full control over mm. the creative yeah. process. Yes. I had full control over whether it got done or not. It was entirely on me. And as actors, mm. you know, you know that so little is in our control when we're doing auditions. Part of the reason I stay so busy is so there's no room for being disappointed for too long because <laughs> you've got other things going on. You can yeah. you can be disappointed, but you can't let that f- turn into rejection you can't let that turn into depression because there's stuff to do it's on to the next yeah it's on to the next thing and and it's on to the next offering 
Mm-hmm. You know, just because th- just because these folks don't necessarily want what you're offering in their show, it doesn't mean that you can't affect other people and can't be doing things for other people mm-hmm. in other formats. So for me, this was the easiest one and I'm, uh, the one that made the most sense, I should say. And so the three weeks that I wrote it, I woke up at 4 a.m. and I would write until three about 8, well. 8.30. And then wow. uh, I would go on with the I rest of my day. To, like, let's let that sink in for a second. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, thank you. It's not a something. Sprint. I, yeah, it's not something that I would probably choose to do on a regular <laughs> basis. But I do love the morning. I think yeah. it's it's such a fantastic time for creation. And because of you know my husband and my dog and the the way our life is structured, if especially back then. Now my husband wakes up really early and it's really hard to get up earlier than him. But (laughs) what I wanted to do was find a time where I still had that creative juice flowing and no input from the outside world to come in. I I wasn't checking email. I wasn't checking texts. No one was calling me. I didn't have to walk the dog. I didn't have to have any (laughs) conversation, any kind of input that, that wasn't me processing things. And that was really nurturing thing to do. I think it was a really wonderful time to, to, for creating, but it also felt very nurturing because it felt like I had this specific time with myself where I could just, Mm -hmm. I could just sit with what was in there creatively. And I don't think we have a lot of space for that in our lives. A lot of people do it late, late night. Mm -hmm. By late, late night, I want bed. I like the cozy comfiness (laughs) of my bed. Hey guys, this is Allison Packard. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to let you know that if you like the show, please, please, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. Have you read um, The 5 a.m. Club by Robin no, Sharma? I've heard of it. Very much in yeah. in line with that. And the thing is, look, it's not always possible. People have children. Yeah. People have uh, rehearsal schedules or whatever. That three yeah. weeks somehow it magically worked out. And a couple of days I think I had to throw in some extra writing like, you know, during the day mm-hmm. because I'd have like a nine o'clock session or whatever. But it's it, sometimes it's not possible. Yeah. And you, I really don't believe in setting one ritual schedule for yourself and saying like, Things have to be this way. Forever and ever. (laughs) Well, also we evolve. And it's very romantic to look back and be like, oh, it was so good for that time when I was doing this. But we can't, we don't get the same benefit out of the exact same schedule when we just continue it on and on and on and on and on. I love that. There's a lot less, without going into the neuroscience of it, because it is, there's like, we can prove it scientifically. The, the law of diminishing returns mm. essentially applies to it because your the dopamine, the reward that you get from the struggle or from the journey starts to kind of level out. And you got to mm. go to another source. You got to change things up a little bit in your life. I used to think that that meant that I didn't have focus or I didn't have discipline. And now I realize, no, you just like changing things. I like change that I have control over. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I feel like so, you've let me off the hook. <laughs> well, totally, totally. So much, I think so much of what we're taught as artists in terms of the artistic process, the discipline, combined with the 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 push for the last probably 10 years, maybe even more towards you have to be productive. Mm-hmm. Everyone, everyone has to be, everybody has to read productivity blogs and books and <laughs> how do I be more productive? How do I make more? Yeah. How do I take in more? How do I read more? How do I do more? And I certainly fall prey to that. Yeah. That's, and, and then I burn out. I do yeah. all the things. Like I was joking with my friend Carolina once. I said, yeah, you know, she was like, what, what's going on? Like, can, can't you stop? And I was like, no, no, no. You know how this works. Like I go and 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 then I have a meltdown and then I take off two days and then I go and 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 I'm like, that's not healthy. Let's get before you get to the meltdown part. And the world around us 
is is cure, the world around us doesn't do that for us. We have to take that for ourselves. Yeah, it's almost like scheduling in the self care. Yes, scheduling absolutely in the downtime. Absolutely. Maybe even the the pure relaxation downtime, as opposed to like now I must get a massage. Now I must. Yeah, journal. and and what has helped me is understanding that my version of downtime doesn't look the same as other people's mm. version of downtime. I know what fuels me. You know, we went on this beautiful family vacation last year around the holidays. And for me, what I needed was to be able to write, like sit on the beach and be writing and reading. Yeah. Very, very, my mind needed to be active mm -hmm. with things that I didn't have time to enjoy the rest of the year because it was so much about auditions and shooting and recording, and, and which is great, but having... Being able to do the thing that I don't normally get to do, yeah. not necessarily, you know, sleep all day and eat all day. Because <laughs> for me, stopping like that is a is it's it's very bad because I and I don't mean bad morally bad. It's just it feels bad for me because yes. <laughs> once I stop, it is I like I shut I shut down. I think I'm innately a very lazy person and I have just <laughs> built up this understanding of don't stop. Yeah. Slow down, but don't just stop. <laughs> Because yeah. it, 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 it never works well for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, this sitting on a, a beach with a margarita in your hand, but then you realize you're like four margaritas later. Like, I feel like crap. Yeah, and also just, uh, I don't know that, you know, there's, there's active rest, mm -hmm. and then there's complete rest. And obviously your body needs complete rest. If you're working out, it needs to recover and all that. But my, I think and all of us need it. A certain amount of complete rest, but I, I love the concept of active rest. Mm. You don't have to completely stop everything mm -hmm. unless you want to. Because yeah. some people really take to that. You are definitely um, somebody who moves forward at a pretty quick pace, and you call yourself a perfectionist from time to time. Yeah, which is not a good thing. Mm -hmm. And perfectionism, it's interesting. I remember talking with a coach uh, early last year about this. He said, perfectionism and procrastination are, are wonderful bedfellows <laughs> because you will never get it done. You will keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it because you want it to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Done is better than perfect. Good is better than perfect. you got to get it out. And again, same thing with how I Am Fun Size the series yeah. started. Yeah. Same thing with the book. Just just do it. Just make the thing happen. It doesn't. Ha it shouldn't be perfect. You're, you're not going to achieve perfect. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And certainly not in the creative process. So just do the thing. So yeah, I, 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 I try to balance between wanting to, like having a certain bar for the quality of things mm -hmm. and then thinking it has to be perfect. Did you struggle with that while writing the book? That is not so much because mm -hmm. it was it was really just like, cool, I'm having a conversation. I'm going to write it down. Mm -hmm. And then when I started working with an editor and a developmental editor, Lauren Terrell, she's fantastic. And she she really took to the book as well as enjoyed, you know, editing it. But it, she understood it. She really got it. So mm -hmm. the editing process wasn't like, oh, God, I have to kill my babies. It was, oh, cool, this tells the story clearer. Mm -hmm. This gets to the message clear, more clearly. Mm -hmm. That was really fun to make sure that things were really like making, making sense so that the conversation that I was having with the reader was a smooth one. Did you have a very clear picture in your mind of who your reader was? Yeah. It was, it was sort of three avatars, mm -hmm. two real people and one avatar. Uh, my niece and my nephew, who are both, my, my nephew just graduated college and uh, my niece is still in college at Brown. Mm -hmm. And sort of this avatar of 
well, I guess it was two more, but I often think about the same people who will hit me up on Twitter and who will hit me up on Facebook, who will DM me, which are usually 20 to 30-something gamers, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. or sometimes younger, but that are, are people who have all of this enthusiasm and all of this life, but sometimes all of that enthusiasm and all of this life, because I experienced it, also translates to a lot of pain because you don't know how to deal with certain emotions. Mm. And so I, for me, the skill of not being afraid of my emotions, but using them as a barometer Mm. in terms of, okay, is this thing, is this what I want in my life? Is this not what I want in my life? That's been a skill that has been like, I've been able to hone over time through the experiences that I've had and through the various mentors that I've had on the way. And yeah. so I wanted to give that to that person. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily a gamer. It could be like a, you know, it could be a 40-something mom. It could be a 50-something, you know, divorcee. I, it could be anything, but yeah. I specifically wanted to have that conversation with someone who was a little younger, mm-hmm. but not not less mature. Mm-hmm. My niece and my nephew can run circles around me in terms of their <laughs> intelligence. They're brilliant and they're beautiful. And... So when I'm sharing something with them, I fully know that you are my equal, if not further than me in certain areas. Mm -hmm. My experience just gives me a leg up on this. So let me share my experience with you and you decide what you do with it. That that's those are the people that I kept in mind Mm -hmm. more often than not. And that is the exchange of wisdom that we are experiencing in our culture as more and more sort of gateways and doors come down and people have more accessibility. The accessibility uh, to other people's experience is really a huge thing. Um, And it's one of the, you know, there are pros and cons to the internet, whether you love social media or you don't love social media, the pros and cons, obviously, but just the access we have to experts in their field, not just voice acting, which is obvious because so many people have started teaching online or, Mm -hmm. you know, Jen Hale created skills hubs Mm -hmm. and we can all go there and do coaching. And, you know, there, there's so many great resources out there, but also just experts in every field. Some extraordinary, you know, uh, uh, what do they call it? thought leaders or politicians or, or whatever, uh, you know, you can meet them on Clubhouse. <laughs> you can you can actually have a conversation with them now where we couldn't necessarily do it. So I do think the, the culture of asking for help mm-hmm. is growing. Mm-hmm. The culture of knowing, I don't know this thing and it's okay that I ask about it because I'm not going to know about it unless I ask about mm-hmm. it. I do feel like in, in, in my generation, I feel like it was a little bit different. It was a little bit like figure it out. And, people were not as forthcoming. And right. not even people were not as forthcoming, but it, it, it was kind of like, you got to figure it out before you talk to this person. <laughs> you're like, well, how am I supposed to talk to them? I, I, I need them to figure it out. Now I feel like, uh, I can't remember where I was watching this documentary. And I, it was something about these kids and their educational process and the things that the teacher was assigning to them. And I was watching their collaborative process. And one of the things that they had a very easy time doing was being like, oh, I see that this person is the best in their field. Let's write them an email. Done. Right. Yeah. Not, Mm -hmm. oh, should I, shouldn't I? It was from there to there immediately done. Because you send 10, 20 of those. Yeah, you send it. And if someone says, someone saying no is just someone not responding. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like you're a bad person. How dare you call me? (laughs) It's and and I wish that I had had more of that mentality when I was younger. It's interesting to see it shift. Yeah. Yeah. And it's exciting. And I feel like it gives me permission to be like, yes, of course, I am an adult, ostensibly, and I'm older than a lot of people who know more than I am. But there are things I don't know because I never learned them. And I can't learn them unless I ask the question. And there doesn't need to be shame around not knowing something. No, No, there really, really doesn't. before, I think the dichotomy was that information was withheld 
from certain people, and yeah. now we have that information, this abundance of information. So yeah. uh, it's almost a commodity to be able to trade and share. Totally. Knowledge. I mean, it's it's. I don't want to say commodity so much as it's just it's just a fact of life. Like we have it now. Mm-hmm. Because we do have all the knowledge in the world at our fingertips <laughs> on the internet, but but maybe you're right. Maybe it is the commodity because it's the, it's this it's this language it's of sharing. It's an exchange. I yeah, guess I should yeah, yeah, say. yeah. It, it's a it language of sharing. Something that's tradable. Something yes. that's of value. Of value. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Thanks for tuning in to Allison's Wonderland, where we explore the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a review. For more episodes of Allison's Wonderland, please visit us at www.allisonpacker.com. See you next week.